0: It's Revelation chapter 13, beginning in verse 11, going through verse 18. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're physically able to do so, is I'm going to ask you to stand with me because we want to honor the reading of God's word. So Re- Revelation chapter 13, beginning in verse 11, going through verse 18. So if you're physically able to do so, please stand and we're going to read God's word. First, uh, Revelation uh, chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 11. This is the word of the Lord given to us. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he does great wonders, so that he makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men, and deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the first in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, they that should that they should make an image to the beast, and which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, that, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score, and six. All right, let's pray. Father, as we go into this time now, may you bless this time. May you glorify yourself in your name. Give us wisdom in your word now, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Now, it would be um, probably very uh, true for us to say, that um, everything a Christian does is theological. Uh, that That is true. Everything that a Christian does is theological. That means you cannot separate the sacred from the secular. That means that your convictions must and should drive you in every aspect of your life, of my life, right? To be a Christian doesn't mean that on Sundays and Wednesdays we worship Jesus, and the rest of the week we just sort of go along and get along. Right? Everything that we do for us as believers has theological implications. That means the way we think, the way we, we, we interact, the way we do our jobs, the types of jobs we do, the types of jobs that we participate in. All of these things and the ways in which we participate in all of life has great theological implications for all of us. So while that is true, let me just, let me just back up and say this as well. So while it is true that for the Christian everything is theological, it is not less true, it is, or maybe I should say this in a better way, it is just as true for the non-believer. Everything that they do is theological as well. You say, well now wait a minute. Wait a minute. They—they're not believers. Well, well, yes, but but the reality is is that all of us, as human beings, were created to worship something, and as such, we are going to live our lives in that vein. And so, just because they're non-believers, doesn't make them some it doesn't give them some sort of, of 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 magical objectiveness to the rest of reality. No, no, they live by the by their subjective views of life. They live in accordance to their own views. They live in the accordance with their own purposes in this life. They live out what they believe. It motivates both the believer and the non-believer. The non-believer. Just simply calls their gods by different names. Perhaps they call them humanism, or they perhaps call them atheism, or perhaps they call them uh, anti-theism, or perhaps they call them secularism, or any number of any d- different types of religions. But they are still religions, nonetheless. They do not. They are not granted, as I said, some kind of magical powers to become objective right? They're, they're, not to be ob, they're not more objective than the Christian. Everybody has a way of looking at life and their belief system drives that. Whether they are living for Christ and his glory or they're living for their jobs, their families, their schools, their sports, their girlfriends or their spouses, their cars, their houses, their lands, their money, their power, something drives every single one of us. Something drives every single one of us. Man is driven Mankind, man and woman, are driven. The reality is, the same is true of governments. Governments are driven by ideologies. All governments are driven by ideologies. If it is a dictatorship, they are driven by that ideology. If it is a democracy, then they are driven by that, that ideology. If it is a republic then it is driven by that ideology unless of course you're trying to change that republic into something other than what it is but the reality is is that all governments and governmental systems are driven by that type of ideology some type of ideology and so the, the, the text before us here lays out, so we looked at last week, this first beast that was here. And what we see in Revelation chapter 13 is an ideology that drives this second beast. This second beast that um, perhaps throughout history has been identified as the, as the, um, the false prophet. Um, but this second beast does in fact, and is in fact driven by a principle of loyalty, and his whole purpose um, is to drive the, 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 the world and, and the, the system of the world to the governmental system of uh, this first beast, this first type of beast. And as I said, the, the children or the, the people to whom, uh, the people to whom John would have written this, this, this would not have been a foreign thought to them. They would have understood this perfectly and very clearly, because as we look at the imperial cult, right, known as emperor worship, right? where, where it didn't matter what else other kind of God that you worshiped, as long as you pledged allegiance to the empire through the imperial cult to the imperial worship of Caesar, right? It didn't matter what other gods you had. It didn't matter what other types of gods that you worshiped. It didn't matter anything else, as long as you were giving your allegiance to the beast, to the beast. And they would have clearly understood this. They would have clearly had a knowledge of this, that Caesar would have stood for the first reason, now am I saying that this this that that is all that is here? No, 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 certainly not. There 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 have been there have been throughout the centuries governments and governmental systems that have arisen, that have that have had this same type of this same type of understanding. Uh, the sec- or the sacred serves to reinforce. The, 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 what the, what the governmental system says, right? So we think of the Greek Orthodox Church, or well, not the Greek Orthodox Church, but the Russian Orthodox Church, right? The Russian Orthodox Church during communism served the state. It was to enforce the will of the state upon those that worship. It wasn't that communism was anti religion. No, 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 no. Communism is very religious. Communism is very religious. It's just about who they're worshiping after all, China China is very religious. Uh, the Chinese church, as long as, you, as long as you go along with the state-sanctioned understanding, you are most certainly encouraged and welcomed to be religious. It's just who you're worshiping. It's just about who you're worshiping. The Nazis in Germany were very religious. They took over the Lutheran church, but the Lutheran church served the greater Reich. It served the greater empire and the greater service of their advancement of the, of the Nazi regime and the Nazi Reich. So throughout history, whether it is in Russia or, or the former Soviet Union or China or the Reich or any other place wherein the church serves or the sacred serves the purposes of the secular, we see this being lived out before our eyes. We see this reality being lived out before our eyes. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to show you four different realities here of, of this, this truth, of, of how the, the sacred is often um, uh, co-opted or is uh, taken over so that uh, it can serve the state and its purposes. Um, but first, is found in verse 11, and it's simply the origin and the description of this, of this beast. Then we want to talk about the objective of this beast. Then we want to talk about the means of securing the loyalty and devotion by this beast. And then lastly, we'll just want to deal with, just in a very short little time that we have left there, simply the number that is given to this beast here in Revelation chapter 13. So first and foremost, let's talk about the the source and explanation of this second beast that we see here in Revelation 13. So we cannot do that, though, without first remembering that there was a first beast that had arisen, right? This came out of the ocean. But again, this isn't a physical ocean. This is an oceans were meant and were used by the by Scripture and by the writers, uh, uh, by the the, 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 uh, the writers of Scripture to uh, recognize something greater. And that the seas are often used to speak of the nations, and so the first beast arose from among the nations. He arose from among, uh, especially from among those who were, uh, those who were political or our leaders, right, is, is uh, among the nations. But we see that, that this second beast arises not from the ocean, but he arises how? In verse 11, he rose up or came up out of the earth and really the meaning here the understanding here is that he doesn't come from among the he doesn't come from among the the exalted political leaders necessarily of the earth but from among the people he is a man of the people he is a person of the people and so are all religious charlatans they are they have charisma they love to be able to uh, uh, to to uh, coin a phrase, to, to be able to flip a switch and be able to have all these really nice sayings that people love and sort of flock to. And this man is a man of the people. He is a man who is who is um, very much, knows the people, is, is, is very much able to wield influence. This beast is able to wield influence and secure the support for the programs of the first beast. Of the first bees, and, and such was the case again for the Roman imperial cult of the day of, of of which John was writing, and again, not just them, but all all leading up to the to the ultimate culmination of all of this that will arise. And then they were they were, are meant to serve the purposes of the state, and one of the reasons why we know that he is going to be, or at least mimic this this false beast, this false prophet of a beast, is going to mimic on some level um, the church of Jesus Christ. We know that for several reasons. We've given several hints. First, because of the satanic trinity that we've been introduced to already, right? So we have the, the dragon, right, being the one to whom give, who gives power to the, to, the, to the second beast, and then the second beast gives power to the third beast. And so he is mimicking the, the God of heaven and his work. But also, notice the phrase here, What does it say of this second beast? And it says, not only did he come up out of the land, right? But he had two horns like a lamb. In other words, he looks like a lamb. But how does he speak? He speaks as a dragon. He he looks like a lamb. He acts perhaps like a lamb. But when he speaks, there is no denying who he serves. There is no denying what his purpose is in this world. It is to serve the state. It is to serve the, the secular state, the Antichrist and his government. It is to serve him and him alone. It is, and ultimately, by proxy then, it is not just to serve the, the, that first beast, but it is to serve ultimately the great dragon in chapter 12 that we were introduced to. And it's interesting that this beast, like a lamb... I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen lambs. Like, have you ever gone to a farm and you've seen lambs? I mean, most of the time, I mean, unless you, unless you, get, unless you get one that's a little feisty, most of the part, I mean, lambs are just very genteel creatures. They, they are very nice. You can pet them. They, can, they even act like some, like a very dumb type of dog at times, right? But, but they're just very, most part, they're very docile creatures. Um, and this is the type of, of being that this beast will be. He's going to appear meek and mild, harmless, attractive. He's going to be very lovable. I mean, I I think that as and he's going to look and he's going to look as if he is part of the lamb. Matter of fact, he's going to look like the lamb, except for the fact that he has two horns. But even here, he has these horns, right? These, these, These are different. Than the, than the different horns, than the lamb who was slain from before the foundation of the world. This isn't the same type of lamb. Although it is meant to mimic that type, the, the, the true lamb, he's going to appear just like that. There's not going to be anything frightening about this beast, right? And People are going to be pulled to him. People are going to want to touch him and embrace him. They're going to feel, going to feel as if he is, he is as harmless as a lamb. But the beast will appear to the followers of Christ, the followers of the Lamb of God, to be what he truly is, because when he speaks, he will not speak the things of the Lamb. He will speak of the things of the dragon, of Satan, right? of the purpose of the satanic uh, state that he serves. He will explain to you your importance of following what the state says to do, and then and, and, uh, He will tell you to to follow this first beast, and ultimately not only this first beast, but even Satan and this satanic state that will arise. He will tell us absolutely, absolutely to bow the knee. And we'll see more, more about this here as we walk through this passage. He will appear, I believe, to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if not claiming to be Jesus himself. He will be a religious leader. He will appear to be a very religious person, free of evil and violence, of wrong and ungodliness. He will appear and represent himself as a peace-loving and joy-filled person. I think that there will be people, based upon this description, who will think that he can do no serious wrong. He can do no serious wrong. But again, when he speaks, he speaks with the dragon. In other words, his voice is going to betray him. And unless and, 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 and we say, well, you know, that's only, that's only during this time. Listen, throughout the history of the church, false teachers and false prophets have betrayed, have betrayed who they claim they serve through their speech. This is why John says they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. And John would say in 1 John, many antichrists have gone out into the world. And these antichrists, as we said, I think it was last week or the week before... It's not that they're running around with big old signs saying, I'm against Jesus. No, 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 that's not not the meaning of the word anti here in the text. The meaning of the word anti is to establish itself or themselves over against something else. So by mimicry, it's going to appear to be what it's claiming to ultimately be against. In other words, it's going to look like Jesus. It's going to act in some ways like Jesus. It's going to appear to be of Jesus. And since it has been the case throughout the history of the church, throughout the history of the world, the, the church has always been plagued by false prophets. The church has always been plagued by those who, when they look harmless, they look nice, they look pretty, but when they open their mouth, they betray who they claim to serve because their message is not of God, but of the world. And so this beast doesn't teach the word of God this beast doesn't uh doesn't uh tell us to to love God and and to honor Christ but but the word will be that of the antichrist of the antichrist state that comes forth from his mouth this satanic state that arises that says hey we're going to serve this being this first beast He's not going to speak truth. He will speak lies. He will not be the spokesman for God, but he will be the spokesman for the government of Satan upon earth. He will not be speaking for people to support God and Christ and the, and the church. He's going to be using his influence to support the civil power of the state, of the Antichrist, of Satan's state. He will not promote the Lord Jesus Christ. He will promote the policies of the satanic state. And the second beast will become the spokesman. He'll be a great motivator of the masses for, for, for the Antichrist, for this first beast. And he will be the person who will come up with the unifying principles and motivations of following what, the, what Satan has ultimately laid out for them. He will be, as I said, a religious leader, a false prophet. As I said, I believe he will probably come from Christianity. Romans sixteen eighteen says, "For they that serve such, for they that are such, do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies or their own appetites, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple." The Scripture also says in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through fifteen. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and not and no and not to marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if he, if his ministers also be transformed, as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So this is this isn't something. So so let me just say this: this isn't something that we're just ultimately hanging around waiting for. This is a this is a reality for us now. Right? So so whatever else may come in the future, we live with this reality now, don't we? We live with the reality that time that that uh, anytime a a, a a government usurps the the authority of the sphere of the church, it is well past its ability to be able to tell us what to do. Right? A government serves in the sphere in which a government was created to serve the protection of its population, its, it, to, to, from foreign and domestic terrors, uh, to s- establish justice in the land, i.e., Allah, Romans chapter 13, right? And on and on we go. It is never called to usurp the sphere of the state or the family. It's never called to usurp the, the, the sphere of, of the sciences or anything else. It is called to stay in its lane, and when it doesn't, it is of the same type of being as the, the, the ultimate culmination of the satanic entity called the Antichrist who will arise. It is an Antichrist. It has not stayed in its lane. It must stay in its lane. It cannot, it must not be allowed to stray from its created, creational purposes, period. We must not be afraid to call our governments to remember their lane and to stay in their lanes. Government is not meant to govern my conscience. My conscience is my conscience. And no one should ever be forced to go against firmly held religious beliefs. And this is the message of the Antichrist, ultimately, as we see here in Revelation chapter 13, isn't it? This is his objective. It is to usurp everything and to bring it under the subjection of himself, to bring it under the subjection of his will, to bring it under the subjection of his purposes, to bring it under the subjection of his plans. And as I said, this isn't just for some far off time. This is for us to remember here and now. Right, And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily applying this to anything specifically at this point. I am just simply telling you that a government is called to do what God has created her to do and to be. And they must not stray from their lanes. And if they do, the church should be of all people, all, all things, first to stand up and say, Stay in your lane. But then there's an objective here. There's an objective to all of this, right? Like everybody has an objective. And and this second beast is going to have an objective as well. What what is this objective here? Well, the objective is to secure the loyalty of the nations to the Antichrist, to, to the first beast. That is the whole purpose of this. And the second beast is going to wield and exercise all sorts of powers, Given to him by this first beast that will that will give him the right to be able to speak and to act, he will hold a, a high position, as I said, very charismatic so as to secure this loyalty of the nations, to the Antichrist and also to secure devotion. as I said, in the imperial cult, they didn't care who you worshiped. right so this and so let me say this, this is what was so revolutionary about Christianity, okay? This is what got us thrown to the lions, burned on stakes and and beheaded, right? This is what caused us to be to be torn apart by wild dogs in the arenas, okay? This is this is it. They said we we don't care who you worship, okay? Just as long as once a year you make sure you burn a little incense to Caesar and proclaim Caesar is Lord. Burn a little incense. Caesar is Lord. Get your little certificate, your little coin that show that you have done this. We don't care who else you worship. Matter of fact, we we you could worship as many gods as you want to throughout the rest of the year. But once a year, you have you must come and you must burn in, uh, incense because your gods must bow the knee to Caesar. And Christianity said no. The church said, no, you, Caesar, are not in authority of the God of heaven. You have your power, but by God, and we will not bow our knees. It was a revolutionary thought. Matter of fact, that's why we were called atheists. I don't know if you know that, but that's why we were called atheists. Because we said, no there's, no, there's no God but one, one true and living God who personifies himself, who, who manifests himself, who, who is, in fact, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He is the triune, sovereign God of the universe. And they said, well, you're atheists. To us, that seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Like, how could you call us atheists, right? We believe in God. But to the Romans, to the imperial cultists, We were the atheists because our God would not submit to the God of the imperial cult. and So they called us atheists. And they slandered us. They said we ate our children. They said that we ate flesh and blood, drank blood in the communion. They made all kinds of crazy, crazy rumors about us. But the objective here will be that we all, any religion, must bow the knee to the satanic state. Because as all dictatorial regimes do, they always make the sacred a part of the, of the, of the civil sphere and then subject that to itself, whereby it says, you must bow the knee to us. He will use, this second beast will use his high office in religion to rally people to support the Antichrist and his state, the satanic state. He will use his his authority to focus the worship and loyalty upon the satanic state. He will lead people to be loyal to and devoted to the satanic state. And he will, in fact, create a religion that is for the world, that is for the masses. Everyone in the world will be expected to give their first loyalty and allegiance to the state. Everyone will be asked to bow the knee to the state and their government. Then, thirdly, we have the means, the means by which he's going to secure this, right? Because you can't require something like this without the power behind it to say, okay, uh... Not only are we going to tell you have to do it, but we're going to sh- we're, g- we're going to require you. And this is how we're going to require you to do this: the means of securing loyalty in verses thirteen through seventeen. How is he going to do this? Listen to this, and he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. And he deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image of the beast which which had the wound of a by a sword and did live, and he had power to live, give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed and he causes all both small and great rich and poor free and bond to receive the mark in their right hand or in their foreheads so that no man would be able to buy or sell except he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name we'll, t- we'll talk about the number here in just a minute and what that means so what is it that he's saying well, i mean what what is it ultimately that he's saying what is john telling us well, just like in the days of the imperial cult, I mean, unless you had the ability to, um, you know, to you could not, um, you could not do business. You could not own homes. Matter of fact, uh, many Christians had their homes confiscated, um, right, because uh, because they simply did not have the the coin, right, or the ticket, or the the the, the validation, right, of of having burned incense to the imperial cult. And, and proclaiming Caesar as Lord. They didn't have, they could have their houses confiscated. They could have their, their businesses confiscated. They could have all kinds of things confiscated from them because they did not have the validation of who they, of, of, their, of their worship and their service to the, to the imperial emperor. And so they could have all all kinds of persecution. Some of them were thrown in jail. Some of them were beheaded. Some of them were eaten by dogs. Some of them were torn apart by dogs. Some of them were killed by gladiators. Some of them were torn apart by lions. Some of them were starved to death. Some of them were beheaded. Some of them had all kinds of things happen to them. Because they would not just do a little bit of incense, throw it in a fire, and say, Caesar is Lord. That's it. It's all was to it. And the point is this, the declarations of this beast will become ex cathedra. If you don't know what that means, it simply means uh, of God. It'll become of God. And he will prove that he has the power to do this by the miracles that he will perform. And the false prophet is going to, this, this, this false beast, the second beast, this false prophet of sorts, We'll use universal religion to secure loyalty to pe- to, of the people to the satanic state. And ultimately, this is, this is what all of this has been building up to. And we begin to really see why, I mean, as if God needed any other reason to, to judge the nations... But ultimately, the fact that they, but before we simply had the phrase, and they refused to give the God of heaven glory, right? That the sort of, John just sort of passes over it previously and just says, well, you know, they just simply refused to give the God, of, the God of heaven glory. But here we're told exactly what that looks like. What does it look like when God is judging the nations and God is raining down terror and fire and, and, and all sorts of judgments upon the nations for their wickedness and their sin? What does it look like for them not to give glory to the God of Heaven? It looks exactly like this. Their first loyalty, the first loyalty of this, of this second beast, will be, will be the worship and the service to the Satanic state. We must remember that the worship of the state and its leaders. I mean, this isn't. This is not some far-fetched, far-off cuckoo cockamamie, right, conspiracy theorist, right-wing nutty, Fruit Loopy stuff, right? This, 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 is, this isn't far-right crazy cuckoo-ness, right? This is this is reality. We have seen this lived over and over and over again throughout the generations. We see it in China. We've seen it in the Soviet Union. We've seen it in Cuba. We have seen it all throughout the world. We continue to see it. We continue to see this This mentality throughout totalitarian regimes. And the old Roman Empire serves, as I've said over and over again, as a primary example. It serves as a primary example for the vast reality of the nations. This universal worship will center around the first beast And ultimately, the the, the dragon, whatever that's going to look like. This universal worship is going to center around supernatural power. I mean, it's it's going to be, according to the text, it's going to be a magnificent thing that that the power that this second beast is able to wield. And will wield. And so many people today can be, I mean, if it's on the Internet, it's real, right? And so we, we need to be careful and discerning in our in our views. Because ultimately, what does it say will happen? He is going to use, the second beast will use religious persecution to secure loyalty. So he'll say, okay, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to worship. You're going to get a little certificate. You're going to get a little validation, a little coin or whatever else the case may be. You're going to get something. And you're going, to, you're going to be able to do whatever, I mean, just whatever else you want to. You can go wherever you want, do whatever you want. You can travel wherever you want. Unless you have, but unless you have this, well, not only can you not do that, but ultimately here, what does he say? He says that they will be killed, and not only will they be killed, but those that aren't killed will not be able to buy or sell or trade or do anything else. And we we see we saw this in in in. in Um, Soviet-held Ukraine back when the Soviet Union in the 70s, 60s and 70s, were saying, oh, it's such a wonderful place, it's a wonderful place, but by the way, you can't go to Poland, you can't go to Ukraine, you can't go to some of these places. Hey, you know, uh, there's a bunch of dissidents there. Well, what they were doing is they were blacking out the fact that anybody who refused to worship the regime was being starved in mass. They were being starved in mass in Ukraine and Poland and all these places because they would not serve the fatherland. The, they would not serve the Soviet Empire. This doesn't change, right? It doesn't change. Human hearts are just as wicked today as they have ever been. Unless you serve the Unless you serve this state, this is what's going to happen to you. Unless you serve this satanic state, this is what's going to happen. So let me say this, because I want to be very clear about this. And as the Christians were in John's day, and Christians have been throughout the centuries, we should all be good citizens. We should be good citizens. We should obey the law. We should love law and order. We should pay our taxes. We should be men, of our, men and women of our word. We should raise up good godly families. We should honor authority, right, good authority. We should honor these things. Bad authority, wrong authority, that's this conversation for a different time. But good and right and proper authority 1,000% of the time. And so a believer should be a good citizen, But the one thing a good, a Christian cannot do is to confess loyalty to a person or a government above God. The true believer can only be loyal to his government 100% because his loyalty to his government is in subjection to his God and not the state. True believers and all who all, all all believers who love the Lord Jesus Christ, unfortunately, in this time we're told will be slaughtered in mass. Economic controls put in place to secure the loyalty to the satanic state. And as the text tells us here in verse seventeen, a Mark Mark, and we'll talk about the number here in just a moment, but, but the mark here, uh, some type of a mark, whether it be a, a mark of, uh, of, of the beast, it says, so, or on the right hand or in their forehead, so there'll be some significant mark. Now, don't miss this, too. This mark serves as a, direct, as a direct opposition to what the Lamb did earlier in Revelation, where he marked those who were the followers of the Lamb and their foreheads. Again, we have Satan and the satanic um, world following his same the same mimicry, and so he requires. Well, if God, if the Lamb, if Jesus can require his followers to be identified, then I will require my followers to be identified. And there'll be some some place marked, whether they where they can only buy food or supplies. The whole economy will be. Based upon some type of a, some type of a, a, a mark, and, and, and please don't don't misunderstand me, okay? <clears throat> you know, we're not we're not you know anybody running around saying microchips and RFID's and all that, I mean, Guys, we don't know anything like that. We just simply know that it is it is some kind of a, a, a of a mark that will be placed or identifying mark that will be placed upon. That will be placed upon those who uh, adhere to the state, to the satanic state's will. And anyone who does not have a mark will be branded as a traitor. They'll be branded as a traitor. And this person will have one choice and one choice only. To give his first loyalty to the state or else be killed or starved and watch his family starve to death. Can you imagine that kind of a a, a question? Will we be loyal to Christ and will we starve to death or will we be loyal to the state and eat? But let's talk about the last thing here. The infamous, the fourth thing, the infamous number, 666. I have had so many people ask me, what does this mean? To which I will tell you, nobody has the foggiest clue what this means. You say, well, it says 666. Yes, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that is going to be the number. The number 666 is simply a way of God speaking in Scripture, talking about whatever mark, whatever identification is here. It is simply the number for mankind so whatever has happened, it's to identify that they have given their allegiance over to mankind, right? So if you watched any of those ridiculous raptured movies in the 1980s, yeah, yeah, those were wrong, okay? They were wrong. I'm sorry to tell you they were wrong, right? There's not going to be a literal number. Everybody's going to stand in line, get stamped with the 666, and be like, okay, here we are. That's not the way this works. This is simply identification with man, with the with the government of of Satan. The beast in the end is, is both beasts, right? Both beasts, the first and second beast, are nothing more than mere men. They stand for, they represent nothing more than mere men, which is why God raises the number to 666. It raises it to the 666 power. Why? Because he wants us to understand that it is in complete and utter opposition to the God of heaven. That's it. That's what he says. And I think this is critical. As we sort of close and wind down and, and uh, we talk about this, I think this is critical. We must never forget that all men, no matter how great, no matter how, how much they may do for us, they're all going to die one day. And they're all going to have to answer before God. This will be true of the most powerful leaders in the universe, and the most powerful leaders among men, and the most weakened leaders among men. They will stand before Christ when the time comes, and they will give an answer. And so will you. So will you. So will I. So will all of us. We must be faithful. We must be faithful to scripture and the conscience that God has given us from the teachings of scripture. We must not waver, we must not give in. We must be faithful. We must be faithful to Christ. Because whether or not we ever live to see any type of a of a of a worldwide system in place or employed or whatever the case may be, right? If you if you believe if you believe that, then then what the reality is is that we have to apply this here and now as the church has throughout history had to apply this throughout the history of the world to be faithful to Christ above all else to be faithful to Christ above even above the 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 state to be faithful to Christ in all things that Christ would be glorified and Christ would be honored in our decisions and in our in our nation's governance in our in our leaders in the leaders that we put into power and into place Brothers and sisters, we must be faithful to Christ, period. We must be faithful to Christ, period. Let us us be faithful to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we'd ask now that you would help us to employ these realities to our own lives and our own hearts. God, that we we would, whatever our convictions we may hold, may they come straight from Scripture. And may we allow no man... No demon from hell, no, no forces of, of, of nature or anything else change those convictions though they be ba- because they are based upon the word of God. Help us to remain faithful to Christ. Help us to remain faithful to Christ. In all that we do, in all that we say, may we encourage one another, whatever convictions we may hold, On any number of things, may we encourage one another to be faithful to the Word of God and to the convictions that we have from the Word of God, that Christ would be glorified. And Father, we ask that you would bless your people now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and take our.